Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story is food news. This is from eatingwell.com. The headline is, Truly's Summer Fridays calendar rewards you with a new hard seltzer every weekend. What? Let me explain. I want, I want to know. With the arrival of gorgeous weather and grilling season, it's the perfect time to relax on the weekends. When isn't it a time to relax on the weekends? I don't know. <laughs> Thanks to Truly Hard Seltzer's new Truly Summer Fridays calendar, you don't have to debate about which drink to make. The Truly Summer Fridays calendar <laughs> works similarly to a traditional advent calendar. Instead of counting down to a holiday, this calendar celebrates the start of each new weekend. Each Friday, simply pop open the next number in the sequence, and voila, you'll be rewarded with a truly hard seltzer. It's like one of those, like, it's you know those chocolates, calendar, advent calendar things? hard seltzer behind the doors. Yes. Do you have, wait, is this something you can actually buy? It is. Oh, what? <laughs> They're selling it. So it's like a it's like a case of seltzer essentially. <laughs> Basically, it's a case of seltzer with like a colorful numbers on top, and you get to pop open one every time you want one. So you could do one for every weekend for the whole summer, or every hour for a whole day. Yeah, for sixteen hours, you could. Yeah, do that. There's sixteen in it. That makes sense. Yeah. And each one is a different surprise flavor. Ooh. I didn't even know they had that many flavors. Wait, maybe they're not all different, but they're all a surprise flavor. Yeah, like you don't know what flavors. flavors? <laughs> Actually, I have no idea how many flavors they have. Yeah. But this is just how they're getting flavors. rid of extra stock. <laughs> 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 oh, man, I got yeah. all mango or um, whatever fl- flavor you don't like. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Insert that there. Bonus, it also comes with stickers so you can show off your love of hard seltzer. To, Whoa. To who? <laughs> I don't know. To, to everyone in your life, okay. Anthony. Um, I mean, yeah. The, the calendar is available exclusively on givethembeer.com, which apparently is a beer and other alcoholic beverages gifting website. Oh. Because I actually went there. I was like, what is givethembeer.com? And it, that, it's say, like beer. Seltzer's not beer, so that's misleading. Yeah. But, yeah. It's like gift baskets of alcohol. Is what that website is. I mean, I'm kind of into this idea. Yeah, I mean, I would order somebody a gift basket of like beer yeah. or something. But oh, I meant even the advent calendar. Oh, that, oh. <laughs> I love. I yeah, like. I, mean, I like a seltzer. I just how they were talking about it was just like. <laughs> I feel like I would just break this out at like a event or something, and not. But I guess now in these times there aren't any events happening, so yeah, make it. You have to make your own events, right? And maybe that's having one seltzer. Each weekend. <laughs> Here's what it looks like. Oh, that's it's fun. It's cute. Yeah. Yeah. What if you, and you could you could just buy it now, save it for December, and then use it as a regular advent calendar. You could. You could 100% do that. That is a genius just idea. Start 16 days before Christmas. Well, because these count, you're supposed to be counting down to like something, right? right. So like. Yeah. In this case, what are you, we be counting down to like the end of summer? No. Yeah. That's sad. You should count down to something. Something happy, like my birthday. Everybody should get this to celebrate my birthday. Let's do that. All right. My first story is space news. The headline is, NASA will pay you to spend eight months locked in a Mars simulation. (laughs) (laughs) 
I is this I feel like I listened to a podcast about something like this. So the headline's a little misleading because it's not really a simulation of Mars, it's a simulation of getting to Mars. Oh. And there was actually a similar I think this is like the second phase of a multi multi-part experiment. Um, because they did this pretty much the same experiment for a shorter time. Oh, okay. Um, so you, maybe you heard of that. I don't know. Maybe. Um, uh, anyway, the article says, humans are headed for Mars. We don't know exactly when that's going to happen, but NASA and other space agencies around the world are already preparing for it. I, still, I don't really understand why we're going, personally. <laughs> I'm still not convinced <laughs> it needs to happen, there. but it's like, whatever. Uh, if somebody wants to do it. Uh, To study the effects of the expected travel arrangements, NASA wants to hire a handful of suitable humans, (laughs) what a weird way to say that, (laughs) to spend eight months cooped up in a tiny mock spacecraft. The experiment will take place in Moscow, Russia, and follows a similar experiment where a team of six spent four months in the same confined quarters. So they're doing the same thing, essentially, but double the time. Uh, (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Uh, crew members will be expected to remain inside the, the fake spacecraft for the entirety of the eight months so that scientists can study the effects of such long confinement on the human body. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's, that's not... definitely the thing I heard about. Oh, yeah, it sounds terrible. Um, NASA's requirements for participation in the study are as follows. NASA is looking for highly motivated U.S. citizens who are 30 to 55 years old and are proficient in both Russian and English. Requirements are an MS, PhD, MD, or completion of military officer training. Participants with a bachelor's degree and other certain qualifications, for example, relevant educational experience, uh, military or professional experience, may be acceptable candidates as well. So basically they want somebody with an education who knows Russian and English. And is 30 to 55. Okay. Somewhere in that range. Uh, and NASA was also vague on the details of the compensation. Really, the only thing that they said is that people who already work for NASA will be paid differently than people who don't. So <laughs> no real idea how much money you're going to make for basically this horrible sounding uh, confinement. Like, I so don't know. Did this article talk about what happened in the other earlier phase? At all? It didn't. There was like there was a picture of the people who did that experiment, like the last version of it. Okay. But it was just like them in fake spacesuits smiling at a camera. So I don't know if that was before or after. So <laughs> they looked pretty put together. So I'm guessing before. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's definitely the the podcast I listened to was about the experience of the people that did that. Oh, really? Yeah. And yeah. I, I think NPR did it. I don't remember now. It was just kind of like a small like miniseries type thing where they just talked about that experiment. Did they all lose their minds? Kind of. Yeah. It, like, <laughs> it wasn't that they all lost their minds, but just like things, they when you can't get away from people, just certain things that you wouldn't think are annoying just become like just excruciatingly annoying. That That's kind yeah. of, I think, what... They all learned. I can imagine that, yeah. <laughs> like, it was just like by the end of it, like they were complaining about things that people were doing that like wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Like the noise of this one person that like worked out more than the rest of them. Like stuff like that. Because even like the sounds inside of the space they were in, like you could hear what people were like doing. So mm-hmm. you couldn't even just be like in your own like room quiet. Like you could kind of hear through the walls enough that yeah. you knew if someone was like in the kitchen or if someone was like whatever. Right. It sounds like it's a very, very confined space. The article is yeah. also talking about how like the International Space Station is actually like 
much larger <laughs> than yeah. this thing would be. Yeah. Because, like, they were just thinking, well, people will see this and be like, why aren't they just using the results of people being in the ISS? It's like, well, actually, the ISS is quite spacious and there's, mm. like, room to get away from people. Yeah. Which I think is probably the biggest the biggest hurdle to get over right. is having to be with however many people they put in this thing for however for eight months. That sounds yeah. That that is a long time. That's like a long time. The four months was already like mm-hmm. a long time for those people. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Anyway, I would recommend if you're interested in this, it's fascinating. <laughs> Listen. Anyone listening to this, go find that podcast. I, I don't remember what it was called. I was going to say, you do you remember up, what the actual no, I don't. The name of the thing I could probably look it up right now. I don't remember what it was called, but it was it was done really well. But they they like interviewed the people that did that. Yeah, like during it. Yeah. So it was. Just I bet that cool. yeah, that does sound fascinating. Yeah. Okay, my next story is animal news. <laughs> this is from CBS News. The headline is, researchers shocked after rare blue bee thought to be possibly extinct spotted in Florida. Blue. It's blue. It's a blue honeybee. That goes against everything I know about bees. Uh-huh. Uh, researchers in Florida have rediscovered an ultra-rare metallic blue bee that hadn't been spotted in several years, so long, in fact, that experts weren't sure it still existed. A researcher at the Florida Museum of Natural History Chase Kimmel found a blue calamintha bee. That's where that word comes from. Um, (laughs) Actually, back in March, according to a recent release from the museum, the museum wrote in the release that it was the first time one had been spotted since 2016. And since then, more of the elusive bees have been spotted. Um, But efforts to research the insect have been curtailed by the coronavirus pandemic. So, like, I don't know, just like randomly since March, they've just, they're here again. Suddenly blue bees. Yeah. Um, This is a unique insect for a number of reasons. According to Kimmel, uh, this bee collects pollen on its face instead of of its legs, I believe, normally. The visual in my head, as soon as you said that was just a bee going up to a flower and just going, (laughs) smashing its face in. Well, they actually did describe how it does it, that it, like, rubs its face in the in the pollen. Like, that's actually what it does. Um, this bee relies on a, a certain specific uh, flowering plant called the Ashes Calament Flower, which apparently is, like, a rare hmm. threatened flower species. Um, and also it's found primarily on Lake Wales Ridge, a habitat in central Florida. So it's, like, only in a very specific part of florida and it only deals with a very specific flower yeah okay so no wonder it's not doing so well yeah (laughs) Yeah. and okay so here's what it looks like okay that's pretty cool yeah so it's like it's blue but it's kind of like a metallic-y blue black yeah so it's kind of like a less fuzzy bluer bumblebee like what we have near us (laughs) yeah 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 that's pretty accurate okay and the and the the blue tone is a very cool blue that yeah. is not common in nature i don't think right it doesn't makes it very, almost looks unnatural yeah it looks like it's like a robot <gasps> maybe there's a robot robo b my next story is robot news how fitting <laughs> yeah <laughs> um it's actually even more fitting than you realize uh this is from TechCrunch. ge's soft robot Bores holes like a giant earthworm. Wait, 
There's a, a lot there, right? It's soft, but it also digs. So yeah, it's like okay. it's it's a robot styled off of an earthworm. Whoa! So it's soft. I know there's a lot there in that headline. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have there's images of it, so okay. that'll that'll probably help. Um, designed by a team at GE Research, a worm-shaped robot nabbed a 2.5 million dollar award from DARPA's so-called Underminer program. Uh, which was a program created to foster rapid tunnel digging in military environments or create robots that foster that, I guess. Um, Or maybe it's just in general to dig fast. Hmm. (laughs) I don't know. They went with a robot. Uh, The robot's muscles, which obviously not actually muscles, are designed to mimic a hydrostatic skeleton, which is a fluid-filled structure found in invertebrates like earthworms. Uh, In the case of a robot or in case of this robot, its artificial muscles do the hard work of moving it forward with a design that makes it adaptable to different underground environments. The design offers a range of freedom of movement along with the ability to squeeze into tight spaces like a worm would. Uh, Another key to its success is the sensors that allow it to function autonomously underground since it can be difficult to remotely control a robot in such a scenario. Because, like, think about it, it's not going to be able to wirelessly signal something if it's underground too much signal attenuation aha big words (laughs) Uh, the project is promising but far from finished the end goal is a robot that can dig a 500 meter tunnel and move at 10 centimeters per second underground um which because it's in metric i have no idea how fast that is (laughs) (laughs) wait what was it 10 centimeters per second so that'd be like a like half a foot less than half a foot 10 centimeters. 10 centimeters would be like four inches. Wait, I don't know the inches to centimeters conversion inches off the top of my like head. Inches is 2.54. That sounds about right. I think it's something like that. Okay. So it's fewer inches than centimeters. Yes. So it would be like four or f- like four ish, right? Oh, yeah. It would be less than five because it's right. more than two. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, it'd be like four, four and a half inches, or something. Yeah, like four and a half inches per second or something. Head okay. math. It's okay. so hard. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to show you a video of it. And in the video, apparently it's sped up four times and it's moving really slow <laughs> still. So I feel like they're a little ways away from that goal. Um, okay. But Well, even if it goes slow, if it's like automatically digging a tunnel and the person doesn't yeah, have to do it, it makes, it's still kind of nice. Right. It makes a certain amount of sense. You could, like, I don't know what you would use it for, maybe, like, laying some kind of cabling Mm -hmm. or something without having to get people involved. Yeah. Whoa. So it looks just like a worm. It does look like a worm. Like, it moves like one, too. I think this part of the video, it's digging, like, into this box. There's dirt in there, I believe. (laughs) Did they have to make the box covered in Tra- metal? Yeah, like, why <laughs> like, couldn't they have made it translucent? The I'm not really sure why they made that choice. Um, I think later, oh, in interesting. Video, later in the video it shows, like, its oh. point of view. Hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. It's it's weird. It's, but it's like, something. It's, it's a robot you've never, like, kind of like you've never seen before. Yeah. I've never, I've never seen one based on a worm well, before. They didn't really show the front of it. Like, I don't get... Right, I don't know how it digs. yeah. But it just shows the movement of it, which like that makes sense because maybe they, the maybe so far does. all they have is the movement. I'm not sure. They, didn't, oh. they really didn't specify like how it's how it, able to dig or if it even is. <laughs> maybe it, it just goes in tunnels. 
With a yeah. camera, I mean, maybe? The, they said the end goal is that it can dig a tunnel. Okay. So, I don't know. Yeah, they'll probably just put some, like, rotating, like, corkscrew design thing. On of, it. A what? <laughs> like, just kind of, some kind of drill. Oh, I thought you said a grill. I was like, what? <laughs> put some grills on it. So it has a real shiny smile. My next story is technology news. This is from interestingengineering.com. The headline is, New Physical Distancing Seat Concept Proposes a Protective Way to Fly. So this is going along with the theme of, like, strange and interesting airplane designs that okay. I, yeah, stories that bring I bring a lot sometimes. I don't know how I find these, but Maybe do. they find you. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so, um, a French aeronautical engineer, Florian... Oh, I should have looked up how to pronounce this before this. <laughs> Wait, you know French, right? I'm learning. How do you pronounce B-A-R-J-O-T? Would it be like Barjot? I, I don't... Yeah. Maybe? Barjot. Barjot? I don't know. They don't... I don't think they Y-ify their J's like some languages do, but I I'm going to go sure. with Barjot. It's Barjot. probably wrong, but it's probably close. It's probably fine. Okay. Florian Barjot has come up with a product called... Plan Bay, which is a plastic protective contraption that adds a protective panel in the middle seat of economy class rows on airplanes. So, like, it takes up the middle seat, but it, like, puts this, like, barrier around you so that two people sitting next to each other have, uh-huh. a, have a thing there. Okay. So it's a way to, like, retrofit existing planes. Exactly. Okay. Yes. That makes sense. It's like um, building whole new planes just for this. Right. It seems a little excessive. That's, yeah, that's exactly the point. Like, and it says here like the his point the point of his design was that it doesn't require airlines to completely like remodel the interior of their planes or anything um but basically this is just like a kit that they can retrofit to the seats um as necessary and then they could remove it if they want to right um barjot told cnn the idea of a removable kit makes sense when the need for sanitary measures is temporary and or limited to a geographic area um the idea has not been accepted yet as Barjo has only recently placed a request for a patent. However, it seems like an ideal design, as even if airlines keep the middle seat empty during these social distancing times, that space doesn't amount to the widely used 1.5 meters apart from people, which I guess is about six feet. Right. Um, <laughs> more units conversion on the fly. <laughs> um, so adding a partition would, you know, according to him, help travelers feel and like be safer if they need to social distance from people. Right. Interestingly... The International Air Transport Association released a statement on May 5th about this, or maybe not about this product specifically, but this concept in general, in which it said it didn't support sectioning off middle seats in planes. Rather, it urged travelers to wear face masks because they were worried that if airlines fly with all the middle seats empty, like they won't be able to like recoup the cost of the flight because of all those seats empty. And then I, I was reading this and I'm just like, okay, can't you just charge a little bit more for the seats or just yeah, not worry about it? Cause it's a pandemic. Like, I don't right. Know. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. That's, like, that seems health like, come before. Yeah. Like I profits, feel like, I feel like the health of their customers versus are you making money? Like, I was down. So also they, they also stated that, um, current evidence suggests that the risk of transmission on board aircraft is really low. So in their opinion, like wearing masks is, already reducing the risk enough and mm-hmm. customers that are flying on planes don't really need to be like as afraid of being 
closer to others because of the way that the air filtration works and stuff. I've read other stuff about right. this. So yeah, I've heard that was that. their I've other argument. Too. So I don't know. Just interesting. Yeah. There's probably going to be a debate now, but here's what <laughs> it looks like. Yeah, I was curious to see. Yeah. It's just... Seems pretty straightforward. It's just a panel a in the middle seat. It's a barrier. Yeah. And honestly, like that would make flying so much more comfy if just just in general, if this yeah, was a, how stuff a seat, was designed. A seat like, and a half. <laughs> you have your whole like little pod area, mm-hmm. and it's a seat and a half. Why? Yeah, but uh, I kind of um, wish they were just normally like that because it looks yeah. like you get a little table too, which yeah. would be nice. <laughs> I know that's exactly what I was thinking. I was looking at this. I was like, oh, just all planes should have this. Be how much mm-hmm. space you get, like. You can sit and then you get like a little side table instead of maybe you also could have a fold down one, but you wouldn't have to use the fold down one. Then you right. would have like space in front of you and you could like have your drink to the side instead of like in your weird <laughs> chest area. I don't right, know. It's yeah. just hard to explain. <laughs> it's just not comfortable. Yeah. I don't love flying. My next story is AI news. This is from PC Gamer. <laughs> I love this headline. Oh, good. Someone invented the first AI capable of crying. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great headline. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, a company called Synantic claims to, to have invented the world's first AI capable of crying. Uh, the AI isn't actually sad. It's engaging in a text-to-speech process that doesn't just read the words you give it, but simulates the emotion of an acting performance. So this is like a virtual voice that also emotes essentially. Okay. Um, okay. As opposed to just kind of speaking sort of flatly, like a lot of them currently do. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this is Felix Vaughn, uh, who is the deep learning researcher at Synantic says the aim of the company is to really capture this deep emotion using machine learning. And the first thing we focused on was sadness. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a video included in the story. I'm going to try to like play it for the microphone. See okay. if we can do that. Um, and where it's just like a sample clip where the voices of the characters are completely computer generated. Um, well, the process involves real human actors who like help build the voices, but like they just provide like I guess the phonemes essentially, <laughs> and like the art the artificial intelligence like constructs the voices from that. Um, actors who partner with Synantic can earn passive income when clients around the world use their synthetic voice within commercially released projects, according to their website, which is kind of a cool like hmm. consideration, I guess, because it's like, on one hand, it seems like it could put voice actors out of work, <laughs> but on the other, like you could still potentially get compensated for participating in something like this. So yeah. I don't know. I hmm. guess it would depend on how much money it actually is. Yeah. Uh, users, meanwhile, will be able to import a script, choose from a selection of voice models to perform the dialogue, and swap between different voices with just a few clicks. You'll also be able to direct the AI by adjusting its performance for more or less emotion, projection, uh, projection pacing, and other treatable settings. <laughs> Increase the emotion? Yeah, it's like... Just keep uh, increasing uh, it. Like, uh, 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 uh. Yeah. It, for, for me, apparently, that just means getting higher and higher. <laughs> higher pitched. Um, <laughs> Yeah, isn't that? Oh, it's so weird. Like just the idea I, of like teach, like make, like twisting a knob yes. and it changes the performance. Yes, it is kind of weird to hear that, but it's where stuff's going. Yeah, I mean, I'd be like, I'd be surprised if normal voice acting ever gets totally phased out because I feel like you're not going to be able to get like a 
perfect yeah, performance from somebody. But I could see this being well, really useful to voice like NPC characters in a game that are like non-essential to the story, but like you still want them to sound kind of human. Yeah, actually, that's a really good example of something I could see this being very useful. Yeah, like the n- less important kind of characters mm. that are, still have voice parts. Plus, you can um, like edit the text and and in game yeah. development, that's kind of it's kind important. of huge. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I don't think stuff like this is not going to cause voice acting to phase out because I would imagine that there is some element of like wanting unique sounding voices. To right. That too. Yeah. You don't want everyone don't want to be like, like, this sounds like every character in that other game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, and yeah, I, like, I can't like, imagine them using like something radio like this commercials and, and stuff. You're not going to want like the same voice for every single thing. I don't know. It's just like, yeah. And I don't think they'll ever, people. I don't think they'd ever do it for like a movie or anything. Cause you're just, Oh not, yeah. You're not going to be able to get the same like right. performance out of a machine. Right, right. Um, anyway, I'm going to try to play this, see if this works. I can still hear voices. Sometimes, if I'm lucky, I hear her. And it's like she's right here with us. Okay, that's it's pretty convincing. Yeah, it's pretty convincing, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty impressive for a fabricated voice. Hmm. Right. It's just gonna keep getting better and better. I, I know it's it's, it's almost ugh, scary. Ugh. <laughs> it makes me feel shuddery. Yeah. All right, it's time for breaking news, the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today, or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. Blue bees. Ready, set, go! Okay, I found something on time.com. The headline is, Judge approves salvage firm's plan to recover Titanic's telegraph machine from shipwreck. Oh, there's still stuff down there? There's still stuff down there. (laughs) Thought James Um, Cameron stole it all. Yeah. A federal judge in Virginia has ruled that a salvage firm can retrieve the Marconi wireless telegraph machine that broadcast distress calls from the sinking Titanic ocean liner. Um, I didn't realize that was up to a judge in Virginia. Yeah, I, that's a that's a good point. I and question. I don't know, like whose property the Titanic is, or right. where whose jurisdiction that falls under. I don't feel like. I don't know. Neptune's? No one's. <laughs> Poseidon. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically these people are going to go down and get the radiograph, te- the telegraph, wait, what is it? Sorry. <laughs> the radiograph. The telegraph. <laughs> um, because they are afraid it's going to get destroyed if it stays down there Surprised any longer. Surprised it have gotten destroyed now, it's already? Like, isn't it already? How like, many years has it been Wasn't it like point? 1900 when the, around there? That sounds right. Like, it wasn't that year, but it was around there. Yeah. So it's been over 100 years. Yeah. Like, in the ocean. Like, if it's not already destroyed. Well, apparently it's not destroyed. And they don't want it to be further destroyed. Yeah. So they're going to go it's down like, and actually well, get it. Well, if it's down there for 101 years, it's toast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know this because we have another one in a lab somewhere where we've just had it subjected to the same water and pressure. And <laughs> we're just watching it to know when we can go get that one. <laughs> yeah. 
That's what they're doing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Science. Um, okay, so the end of this, which I just had to read really quickly, is basically talking about what we were just asking, like the jurisdiction of like being able oh, to even okay, do this. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and apparently, the, this expedition seems like it's it's actually technically prohibited under federal law and an international agreement between the United States and the United Kingdom. But like, uh-huh. at the same time, something about the that the body that made those restrictions like didn't apply to this purpose because they're like, I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> I need more time. Alex, aren't you, an, aren't you an um, expert of maritime law? <laughs> no, I am not a maritime lawyer. <laughs> That's what that would be. <laughs> um, I don't know. And also like, aren't there like a ton of other artifacts in there too? Like probably. What what's so special about this? I don't radiograph? know. Like I said, I thought I thought we already. I keep re- calling it a radiograph. That's not what it is. It's a telegraph machine. <laughs> I keep calling it a radiograph. What is a radiograph? That- I'm pretty sure it's like an X-ray. Oh, see, I didn't know. Hopefully that's right, and I didn't just make myself sound even more foolish. Anyway, there's just there's other artifacts too. Like, what's so special yeah. about this telegraph? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. They're letting somebody go down and actually, like, cut it out of the ship. Yeah. I wonder if at a certain point they're just kind of like, I, I don't know, if you can get it, go for it. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's been a hundred years. It's been a hundred like, years. Like, clearly, artifacts, if it's like, still there, like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that is their attitude. <laughs> <laughs> That'll hold up in court. Right. I found this on the BBC, and it's more B news. If that was a category, it's not. Uh, <laughs> the headline is, Bumblebee's clever trick fools plants into flowering. What? Also, that sounds like one of those clickbait Right, titles. yeah, well, and it kind of is, because, like, clever, tr- clever trick is in, is in quotes, and it's not, it, it's not that clever. Researchers found that when deprived of pollen, bumblebees will nibble on the leaves of flowerless plants. That's the trick. Uh, and the damage done seems to fool the plants into flowering somehow, sometimes up to 30 days earlier than they would normally flower. Oh. So, like, they're able to somehow, hmm. like, nibble on these flower, like, leaves, and it makes the flowering plant flower. Oh. Um, Weird. So, yeah, the bees use their proboscises, which is a great word. <laughs> I love that word. And mandibles to cut distinctively shaped holes in the leaves, but the creatures didn't eat the material or use it in their nests. So there doesn't seem to be any purpose except for causing this flowering, as far as hmm. I can tell. Um, Maybe the plants have evolved to know. Well, that, they actually that mentioned that, that, that later in the story. Oh. You're ahead of science, oh. Alex. Ah! <laughs> You're a super scientist. Um, so when researchers tried to emulate the damage done to the plants by the bumblebees, they weren't able to achieve the same results. They said the bee hmm. the bee damaged plants flowered thirty days earlier than undamaged plants and twenty five days earlier than the ones damaged by scientists. So the scientists were able to like make them bloom a little bit sooner, but not that hmm. much sooner. Okay. Um, it's possible that the bees also have some kind of cue that they are providing to the plant that is specific to the bee, such as secretions that we don't know about. But that's something mm-hmm. that the scientists are planning to investigate further. Um, so they might be like spitting something on the flowers yeah. and that's the key, not just like cutting them. Um, hmm. 
And the researchers say that when pollen is available, the bees don't damage the plants. So it's like all the more evidence that that's what they're doing, which I yeah. mean, I think if you're not convinced at this point, I think they provided enough evidence yeah. that it is doing something. Yeah. Um, and speaking to what you're saying, the team is keeping an open mind on whether the plants might be the ones in the driving seat. It is vital for plants that depend on pollination to have their flowers on display when the pollinators are buzzing around. So it could be that some plants have evolved a strategy to push out their flowers when they recognize the bee doing the damage to their leaves. So it could be kind of a symbiotic sort of thing where, yeah. I mean, pollination is already a symbiotic process, but uh, the bees start biting on them and like, ow, okay, fine. Okay. I'll feed you. Okay. <laughs> kind of like a, kind of like a cat waking you up in the morning. <laughs> feed you. Ow, stop biting ow, me. Okay. Ow, I'll get up and feed ow. you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's fascinating. I've never I never heard of that. Heard that yeah. before. Um wow. But I love when we learn things about like bees. Yeah, bees in general, but like you would think we like know how bees operate by now, you know what I mean? We just like right. we know everything about I mean, about we have bees. a pretty like, good cuz we like we know they dance and we know they do all the different things. Yeah. And, they do all these cool like, things and now here's another thing that's just, just like yeah. brand new thing that we are still studying. You it's teach just an old, awesome. An old bee new tricks. If you have it in your bonnet. Was that a mix of like three different plus you adding in some words? Yes. <laughs> Okay, great. Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews and on Twitter at, at knickknacknews. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.